What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Uh huh. Yeah. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad you're with us. As we have our conversation, we ask you to download the podcast, The Knuckleheads. Knuckleheads podcast is hosted by Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles, two dudes from our state. And they join us right here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Q, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. No doubt, man. You already know, Jay. I appreciate you having me. Darius, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you so much. Oh, man, thank you for having me. So, uh, so Darius, I'll start with you. Uh, Mike's doc was like 10 episodes of the Knuckleheads because <laughs> it, it, it was it was so deep and, and, and it had so much information. How surprised were you in particular with the content in that podcast? Uh, I, I was happy for it. Like, I was really surprised. I was happy for it for Mike to just release all that. Q, your same question. How surprised were you? Man, I was, I was, I'm like, D, I was absolutely ecstatic that came out with it, but uh, it, it was way more detailed than, you know, me being a Chicago kid growing up, remember, remembering everything like that. So I think it, you know, it filled in a few of the gaps that in our minds that we probably have forgot about that it was so long ago. It just, there's so, it was so much detail, like, you know, for us for being from this from this state, learning and watching Michael Jordan over the years, Q was kind of those things where it's like, I know some of those stories, but the detail of how Michael was telling it, especially the early days before the championships, I thought that that was to me what hit home because of the journey, how it's not easy to win a championship, and Michael had to go through it like a lot of people in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I think right off the, you know, that was what it depicted the most, the whole, you know, his whole journey from start to finish, how how he became who he was and how he sustained, you know, this, this un, un, you know, this godly image that in his dominant force that he was, it didn't come easy. And at the end of the day, I think the, the biggest message that it came with a price. Darius, uh, do you remember the first time you saw or met Michael Jordan? Yeah. I remember the first time I met him. I met him at Santa Barbara and the first time I met him, it was like, he was glowing. <laughs> like, like he had a, a, a ring of, of around him like he was an angel or something like that. And just <laughs> so him you did, so you did see Black Jesus. Thing. Yeah, he's really <laughs> Black Jesus. Man. What what was that like when you you got a chance to speak to him? What was that like? Oh, uh, it was it was uh, it was mind blowing because I I couldn't believe it. Just coming from where I'm from, from seeing that to coming to Santa Barbara and seeing a beach and then seeing Michael Jordan and. Just being around that atmosphere, it was just like, uh, it was mind-blowing for me. Q, what about you? When was the first time you met Michael? Um, <clears throat> so for me, it was crazy because I literally grew up on the next block from where Juanita and her family lived and grew up. Mm-hmm. So the first time I ever met him was, um, I can't remember what holiday. I, I, I lightly want to say it, it might have been 
I don't know. I'm not. Don't give me the line. It was some holiday, <clears throat> and you know, throughout a couple times throughout me growing up, he had came through, and the whole neighborhood would be going crazy and everything like that. You would just see people, you know, going through uh, heavy car traffic, and then this particular time, um, I was what was I was, was I about to go to school? I can't remember whether I was about to go to DePaul. I was going, or I was deciding to go back, and. um Kid comes through the hall, comes through the alley. He's like, yo, Michael Jordan on the next block. He said he want to meet you. And so me and my homeboy, I, I'll, I'll never forget, we were standing there, and I was like, we looked at each other like, yeah, right. We like, man, we're going to take this walk anyway just in case because we know Mike be coming through sometime every once in a blue moon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go through the alley and sure as sugar, cars everywhere, people everywhere. We get over there and we walk up, and as I'm walking up, and you know, they let me through the gate. He like, he turned, he say, what's up, Q? When he said that, I, I instantly almost died on the inside. Like, man, this man just said, what's up, cute me? Before I could even get over there and do anything. He didn't already, I'm dying. I don't even know how to act right now. I'm trying to play it cool. But it was like, that was the craziest thing ever for me to be sitting there and have, first just meet him and then have him call me my nickname. Like, he know who I am. I was blown away. That's crazy. Quinn Richardson and Darius Miles, the Knuckleheads. Check out the Knuckleheads podcast wherever you download your podcasts. You join me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Yeah, so you know the next step for this podcast, right? I mean, you got to get Mike on because I can't <laughs> wait for one of you to ask Mike, when was the first time someone bust your ass? And for Mike right, to say, I, I mean, for Mike to say, nobody, nobody ever did that. <laughs> like, go, go ahead, go yeah. ahead, D. Tell him, tell him that's your, tell him your, that's your, uh, that's the, that's his, that's his white elephant. Yeah, we we definitely uh, we praying on that every day of the week <laughs> to get Mike Mike on that. We just want to ask him at least three questions, and and that'll be an episode. That'll be enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, <laughs> you can shut it down after that once you got Mike on, right? That should be that's the end. <laughs> like, that's the ultimate. I'm telling you. I mean, I think that was something else that that that, that documentary pointed out and, and put into focus for me at least. That showed yeah. me exactly why he, he moves in the manner that he does and why he kind of, you know, slid to the background after everything. Because it's like when you at a point where you literally, you can't he can't go anywhere. Like we talk about certain people like the Tiger or LeBron or whoever, but you think about him. That's, that's a whole nother level to it. And he can't go and do anything that normal people do. So I, so we can, you know, looking at that documentary, it kind of put into a laser focus on why he kind of moved to the side like that. You know, Darius, you know, people don't read or they don't pay attention enough to when you have something special like this, you know, what this documentary meant. So beforehand, listening to the directors, you know, this is all a Michael Jordan project because Mike had to be able to release that footage and for him to be, you know, for them to, to shoot the video um, of him telling these stories is from his viewpoint, from things that he remembers. And so I totally got there before the documentary. And then, of course, you know, there's a lot of people that went left on Michael based on the things he said. But it's like that's his demeanor, his personality. So I didn't have a problem with it at all. But then to find out Horace Grant came on our station uh, on Captain Company and he's not happy. He wants to fight Mike now. It's all my weekend. Sounds like men like what? You're 57 years old. You want to fight Mike. And then, you know, Pippin uh, Pip says he's not very happy. So I'll ask you, Darius, just the back and forth between these, these two, between Mike for what he said, in the documentary and Horace yesterday. And then Scotty Pippen. I mean, how are these, how is his teammates supposed to feel after watching that? 
Uh, I, I think that's that's up to the legends. I think they uh, we respect their privacy and let them handle that as as legends. I think it was it was great for the the basketball culture to see like how it is between teammates between Mike or to be be great. But I think uh. The controversy between them is, I think that's, I'd rather leave that up to the legends and let them figure that out. Q, I don't want them fighting, but you know that Mike is going to speak, you're going to, Mike is going to speak his mind no matter what. And it's like, that shouldn't have been a surprise to Horace or Pippen or Will Perdue or whomever, because Mike is Mike and he's going to, he tells it from his, his standpoint. That's what the whole documentary is about. Yeah, I think I, I, first I totally agree with what D said, but uh, also to add to what you're saying, I think, if it was told from from you know we would get a different type of viewpoint from every everybody's lens. I think if Will Purdue told it from his perspective, it would obviously be different than anybody else, and and so on and so forth with Scotty and Horace too. And as far as you know who's right and who's wrong, I think you know like we say those those are the legends and they were the ones who lived it. So I mean I think they all are out there voices their own opinions and we have no need to, you know, weigh in what the you know, what's right or wrong because none of us were there. Who's a Scaparella on y'all's team? On our on who yeah. me and Deacon? <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> we don't have we don't have that. <laughs> we we equals. We you know what I'm saying? We we bros. We we uh man listen, we I mean we, we give each other a hard time. Like I guess we both got real. we both go at each other like crazy all the time. You yeah. see you see the compilations in the blooper video, we both go at each other, so I guess we both got real. <laughs> yeah. I watching Scott Darius, it was like um it was like the movie uh Get Out. Like he he was just like they put the camera on him and he's like, No, everything's fine, no, 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 no. Everything's fine. Everything's fine, no, 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 no. No, Mike's great. No, no, no. It's just like I, I just know me and I know both of y'all. Uh, you can only call me whole and bitch only a few a few times. Like before we're gonna have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like it's you don't yeah. have no time. <laughs> but you you know, when I was looking at it, I really wasn't even looking at it in that sense. I was looking at it like, man, for you to be a basketball player, for me to get drafted or, or play for the Bulls and I get to test my my stuff against Mike every day in practice, and mm-hmm. I know he going hard, he taking it serious. Well, I was looking at Scott Burrell like that, like, man, you get to play and you get to test how good you is against Mike. He's one of the best defenders. You know what I'm saying? You got to work on your defense. You're trying to start one of the best every day. You can't do nothing but get better. And I feel like Scott Burrell did get better by playing with Mike where opportunity where he was throwing him in the game and he was getting this eight to ten minutes. Yeah. But that was a good eight to ten minutes and it was because he was playing against Mike all and Mike was giving him that hard time where he brought it Every time he he played, where it was just repetitive when he got in the game. Yeah, they did highlight that one the, the playoff game in Jersey where he had about twenty three and came up big for him. Yeah, that so that there's an underlying message there about maximizing your minutes, right? So you're going up against Mike in practice, and clearly there's a green light from Phil and definitely from Mike saying. Yeah, you know what? Give this guy some run, and he'll be able to deliver. And he delivered for the time that he was on the floor. He delivered. So you you give him that kind of credit because others would wilt under the pressure and probably would never get off the bench. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that makes sense to me. Uh, the Knuckleheads podcast, wherever you download your podcast, look for Quentin Richardson, look for Darius Miles. There are guests with me here on ESPN 1000 with Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Um, so I, I want to get your, your thoughts, uh, Q. Q, is there something in the documentary that stood out where you're like, wow, I didn't even know that? Is there one thing in particular that's like, wow, that's interesting? It's a nugget I didn't know. Um. I think I think the thing the thing that I was most probably like not didn't know but maybe like I would say a on was was how egregious Scotty's contract was like you know what I'm saying we younger we don't really I didn't even know like that per se until I didn't start caring about those type of things until maybe like junior senior year high school like whoa like like I didn't realize he had signed like a ten year deal for just what was it, 18, 19 million dollars? Like, that was like crazy to me once I started, like, what? Yeah. Darius, is anything that you were like, well, I didn't know? That was a nugget I didn't know. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me, too. It was like, man, how Scotty was top five players in the league, and you had a hundred and some players making more money than him. Like, you yeah, couldn't tell was... us back then Scotty wasn't getting, like, a little bit under Mike because he was, you know what I'm saying, he was putting in the work and he was so important to that team. And you couldn't tell me that Scotty wasn't making that buku bread. Yeah. But we were so young that we weren't we weren't looking at numbers on contract. We were looking at the hoop. And and that was that was like the biggest thing that stood out to me. And, I, uh, and one more thing. Hold on, yeah. I'm sorry. One more one more thing too. Mike baseball how how you have certified managers saying like how he was getting better at it. I didn't know that he was climbing. He was knocking fifty RBIs in the end. I didn't know all that. That was that was dope to hear. Yeah. Dude hadn't played since high school and then he gives you like a thirteen, fourteen game hitting streak. That's hard right. to do. <laughs> That's hard to do. And yeah. then having fifty RBIs, it's like People could, they can, you can trip on it if you want to. I just know that that's hard to do on the, especially in the double A, because that's the real minor league. Like the double A guys usually are able to get to the big leagues and pass up triple A dudes. So I, I yeah. give him full credit for that because that's not easy. Yeah, yeah. Frank Common said that we've had some really high prospects that didn't drive in 50, 50 RBIs. That, that was an eye opener too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, I guess at early in the documentary, Q and D. I didn't know that. Um, I I wasn't aware of Scottie Pippen's background as far as what was going on in his house. I don't think anybody was until we saw the yeah. documentary about two handicapped people in his home, and then everybody's like, "Oh, how could you sign that deal? That deal was null and void as soon as you signed it." And it's like, well, he got his family out of poverty quickly with that that particular contract. Yeah, it should have been more, and no question, it should have been more. But right. he had to do take care of his family first, and eventually he was made whole because he made as much or maybe a little bit more than Michael before his career was over. But just the point is that I, I think that w- what has been missing that people don't get is they look at the money now in 2020 and it's like, oh, that was so stupid. Why would he sign that contract? Dude, like, if you, you had to take care of your family first. That's the first thing that he did because I didn't know what was going on in on his house, and I think that first contract helped his family in a big way. As well as his mentality, yeah. though, you got to think like if he saw an older brother 
wrestling or not so, but he knows he had an older brother, brother that was wrestling in the gym class and got fell on or got a move there and done on him wrong, and it was like he's paralyzed. I mean, that he's probably more aware than the average player that it could be over in, in, in a, you know, in a blink of an eye. And that, I, I, I would imagine that had to play some type of uh, major part in that as well. You agree, Darius? Yeah, I, def- I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. I yeah. think uh, just the story, his whole, but like I say, with the documentary, I, I, I feel like I look at it different, especially being a ball player and playing the league. I look at it different than others. I felt, I didn't feel like it, it showed Scotty in a, a bad light. I feel like it really showed how important Scotty was to them teams and what he brought to the table. I feel like, the stuff that the, the hiccups or whatever you want to call them, the bad decisions that he went through, that's, that's just part of the game. All the players don't make the great decisions and and all that stuff, but he was like very, very important to that. And I don't feel like I I, I guess I'm biased because growing up watching the Bulls, like Scotty Pippen can never look bad in my eyes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So you heard Jeb Bushler say in the on the uh, documentary that he was scared of Mike. Either one of you two ever been scared of a teammate? No. No. No, not not no teammate. No, I ain't never been scared no teammate. I was scared of Mike. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's Michael Jordan. You scared to. It's like, like I said, it's like a that's my odd moment. You know, it's Michael Jordan. You scared to really talk to him. And then, for him to, like you said, for him to know your name, that's like, how you know me? <laughs> right. So uh, all this players' beef that we've been talking about over the last 24 to 48 hours where Michael made his comments in the documentary, Horace and, and Pippen may not be happy with the documentary, but these player beefs make me, make me remember, you know, Q mixing up with Paul McPherson. I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday, Q. I mean... <laughs> Well, so when you have Paul McPherson on and, and you ask him the question, like, who's the first to bust your ass? It, you, mean, it wait, you. you mean Paul Pierce? Him <laughs> <Liam> too? <laughs> Tell me the story. Uh, we have one and you talk about that. I mean, at this point, you know, everybody, we've we grown adults now. And, and you know, we, we didn't, we've been pieced up over that back when I was being player development with the, with the Pistons and he was towards the very end of his career with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had to ran ran across each other a couple times and pieced up. It was just, you know, a couple pit bulls locking up every time after one incident early on. But everything's good now. Yeah, yeah, man. We good adults, man. We yeah, we had him on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was all good. The truth, right, D Miles? Yeah, great episode too. Yeah, a lot of love, man. We was out in LA, it was all good. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is how these these this Bulls team can learn. <laughs> they can learn from y'all how to <laughs> how, how to come together and have peace. Yeah, uh, man, I think no like them legends. All of them are legends, and they achieve something together that a lot of people have have never accomplished, and especially yeah. with Scotty and Mike. So, regardless of what's being said in the media or what they're saying right now. It's always going to be some type of love between them for so experience that together. So, like right now, it's a it's a hoopla about it, but 
them guys love each other, and at the end of the day, they'll figure it out. And they bonded forever. Yeah, absolutely. Because they have they had a common goal. They won championships. Like they've dominated a whole decade. So that will always be that. Um, I'll ask you both this in closing. I appreciate your time. Q, what, Q, what do you miss most about the city? Man, I just you know what it is. Chicago <laughs> is just like that feeling, man. It's it's the city like no other place. You know what I'm saying? As much as as much as I love being here in Florida, it's just a certain feel when you when you home, seeing the seeing the places that you that you used to, seeing Harold's Chicken, you know, being able to go up and down a Dan Ryan, you know, saying Expressway, seeing CTA, public transportation, just Metro stuff like that. It's just like it's that feeling you at the you at the crib. It's, it's nothing like that anywhere else I've ever been. It's places that you might get a little piece of it and you might feel this or that, but like. Just the whole culture of the city, the way it's the it's a concrete paradise, but at the same time it's the you know what I'm saying, city of big dreams and everything else at the same time. So I feel like we Chicago embodies everything from food to music to sports to to people to poetry, whatever you wanna talk about, art, like we got everything in Chicago and that's that that right there is what I miss the most. Darius, same question. When you came to the city, what did you miss? What do you miss most? Uh, with Chicago, always been me being a country boy from down south Illinois. Like <laughs> Chicago was always one of them cities that I always wanted to prove myself to, and to prove that I was just as good as players that came from Chicago and that grew up in Chicago. So it always holds a special place in my heart and. The way Chicago always embraced me as one of their own, you know, it'll always be, always be remembered in me with me and my family. So uh, Chicago always means something big to me. What's your next guest on the Knuckleheads podcast? Who's coming up next? <laughs> Black. Uh, <laughs> well, I gotta say, I, I think it's, we ain't released it yet, so we don't really know who who's coming up next. No, you can't do that, man. Come on now. Hey, just, hey, I'm stuck on Jennings right now. Be, hey, listen, Jay Hood, just know we got we got a little bit of everything sprinkled in there for you. We got top 50 all time. We got superstar. We got Hall of Fame. We got WNBA. We got new Future school. Hall of Fame. We got old school. We got all that, whatever you want to talk about. All right, because right now I've, I've finished the Brandon Jennings episode, which was that was fun. So now I'm just waiting for you. So I had to go back and listen to Isaiah, but that because that was a great conversation with Isaiah Thomas about yeah, his background. Yeah. Imagine if he went to DePaul. Oh my God, that, that would have been, been that would have been crazy. <laughs> him and him and Big Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's that was like a Isaiah interview is one of them interviews is like a dream come true for for people like me and Q for. You know, him coming from Chicago and just to be able to sit there and just ask him all the questions that you just wanted to ask him since you was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, was, that was definitely a dope interview. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I'm, I had to go back, you know, during this time, waiting for y'all to give us another episode. So I went back to just get a refresher on Isaiah, and that was that was fun. So we will find out. So it's a mystery. But if you download <laughs> Knuckleheads with Quinn Richardson and Darius Miles, you will find out what the next episode is on their podcast, wherever you download your podcast. I do it on uh, on uh, iTunes, and you can be able to do the same thing. Guys, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Quinn Thanks Richardson.
Absolutely. Quinn Richardson and Darius Miles with us, the Knuckleheads. Check out the Knuckleheads podcast wherever you download your podcast. As you listen to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad you're with us. We have all been enjoying the Last Dance documentary on ESPN every Sunday, brought to you by Coors Light. We turn now to the iconic Ahmad Rashad, who's been featured on this uh, Last Dance documentary. He joins us here on ESPN 1000. Ahmad, Jonathan Hood, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, man, no problem, no problem. Nice to talk to you, man. Well, this is boy. This has really been interesting for someone who's who has lived in Chicago as long as I have to be able to see this documentary. It is um, some things I've forgotten, as a matter of fact. So, how much fun has it been <laughs> for you to be able to go back and watch this documentary? You know, it's like um, it's like maybe somebody you went to high school, and then twenty years later, you sort of look back at some of the things that you did, right? Some of the things you did, and that was funny. And, and, and different situations. It was a great time in life. You know, it was just wonderful to sort of be at the center of all of that. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun to look back. Just a lot of fun. You know, Michael, I, 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 he'll give you an example. We were watching, we watched the other night when uh, it was a game in New York or something. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that we remembered besides the game is where we had dinner. We had dinner at a place called Tao. <laughs> we dinner, and we had some Long Island teas. You know, and, it, and so that was, you know, as I was sitting there thinking about it, rather than talking about the basketball stuff, we were thinking about before, you know, we were just like hanging out, doing nothing, laughing, getting ready for that game, but also sitting there having some Long Island teas. It's little things like that. You just, it just pops up. It may not be in the documentary, but you remember, right? Yeah, that's what I remember. I mean, I remember both. I remember both of them, but that's just some stuff that was going on around all that stuff. It's almost during that during that time. I feel like I must have lived halftime in Chicago. I was, I went to Chicago every week. I think. Right. Uh, well, Ahmad, you know, I look at at Jordan's career and everything that he's done as an uh, iconic, you know, great brand uh, for sports. And he didn't have to do this documentary. He didn't have to be part of it. I wonder why now is the right time for him to discuss his career and his life story. Well. In agreeing to do, and I had a conversation when he agreed to do this thing by taking this footage and letting them have the access, it was something that you were going to forever have. You have a, and, and, and I think Adam Silver said it best that, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to end up having a, some footage of that whole last year. Now, you can do whatever you want to do with it. And then just, you know, as time goes by and Michael became more and more comfortable with it, it's like, yeah, okay, let's take a look at it. Let's do something with it. Let's take a look at it. What you won't see is him explaining any of it. It's like you, you, you got what you see. That's what it was. And, and I think that it's, it, it's really pretty cool because there are so many people that really don't know what that whole era was about. They don't know anything about the six championships that, that this man uh, was on a team to do that. And so to get a chance to look back at it and see it from a view that no one has ever seen is, is a lot of fun. It's it's pretty cool. 
Ahmad Rashad with me, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. It's an interesting part uh, last week, Ahmad, where Michael's laying on the couch and was thinking about just completely just shutting it down. He's on the couch. It's dark. He just wants to be left alone, but here comes that camera crew, and now, once again, his, you know, the feeling of him just being able to chill, he's, now he's got to be on again because the camera's there. The rat race, the media, fans all over him because, hey, you know, they just want a piece of Michael. They just want to just, uh, you know, they want to shake his hand. Man, how, how does that feel as an athlete, Ahmad? How does that feel knowing that, you know, there's always fans that want to just be able to talk to you even though you just want to have – uh, that chill out time walking through the you know walking through the hotel you just want to be able to go from bar to restaurant without a lot of people talking to you how lonely is that for an athlete well it's not really lonely and it sort of comes with the territory it's better than them booing you everywhere you go or not <laughs> knowing who you are everywhere you go yeah so it comes with stardom and also i think the one of the weirdest things that comes with athletic stardom is that the better you get it seems like the more people want you to fall you know, if you win too many championships, they don't want you to win anymore. If you're too good, they don't want you to be that good anymore. So it's a weirdness about that. But Michael handled it very well. I mean, he was, you know, he, he represented the city of Chicago. Chicago, that was <laughs> the Chicago Bulls. That was his thing. And I just think all the other stuff just had to go with it. You're going to be like the greatest star or the greatest player to play basketball. There's going to be times you ain't going to be able to go anywhere. You know, so, but he never complained about it. You know, and I think one of the other things of having that camera crew there, a big part of that was Andy Thompson. And Andy Thompson was a guy that worked for me at Inside Stuff. And I put him on to Michael so that they would form a bond that even when they did that, they would sort of kind of get out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, because Michael wasn't trying to dodge him. You know, whatever the footage was, he was one in charge of where it was going. It wasn't like somebody was going to come in there, take this footage and go out and, and put it on the air the next day. It was something that he was going to take home with him at the end of the day. And I think that you know, loneliness, eh, I don't, I don't know. It's only the normal loneliness that a superstar athlete has. You know, you have people that are close to you. You keep certain people close to you, and that's kind of the way it goes. I, I can't say anything negative about how hard it is because that don't even make sense. It's, right. it, it, it's, it, it's, it's hard. You got a plane. You got some cars. You got, you got the you, – you, there's so many pluses that – Nobody's going to complain about that. If they do, I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Jerry Krause, it's not a portrayal of Jerry Krause Ahmad. It's just that's who he was. He's a guy there that was that did his job with ruthless aggression, and he made trades, and he was just going to be his own personality. But, you know, I just can't see Bob Myers or Rob Palenka or Elton Brand just shutting a championship down just because of ego, just because I'm not getting enough credit. I, I, how much is the Krause frustration justified for many that's watching this documentary? I don't get any of that at all. You know, and I, and I also believe that players win championships, you know, not organizations, or they do it together. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly the players are the ones that are out there on the, on the basketball court doing what they have to do. And I don't know, it just it seemed to me that Kraus maybe felt left out, like he maybe he wanted more credit, you know, which is, I don't, I, I don't, maybe that's his ego. I don't, I, don't understand how that, I don't understand how that works. I also don't understand how it works where a team isn't allowed to play till they lose. That one there kind of surprised me, too, by saying this is the last year. Whoa, why wouldn't you go till you don't win anymore and then shut it down? But, I mean, how hard would it be to play 
or coach when they're saying, this is your last year. We're going to bring somebody else in. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. How, how do I go to work knowing that? You know, how do we get dedicated to that? At that point, I give Phil Jackson so much credit. I believe Phil Jackson is one of the great coaches in any sport that's ever been around. For him to handle that circus that he has, those were some pretty big personalities on that team. And for him to be able to, you know, orchestrate it and have them all play together and be able to keep those guys, you know, looking at the prize the whole time, that's genius. That's really genius. I, mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine it's pretty hard to, to coach Dennis Rodman Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and have all the other guys buy in on it. You know, somebody always gets lost somewhere. It's like, ah, they're letting him do something that I don't get to do. As opposed to, hey, man, we, we just, it's not about that. We have a lot of personalities. As long as we have to do, we treat everybody differently. Everybody doesn't get treated the same. And he reminded me a lot of Bud Grant. Bud Grant was that kind of coach mm-hmm. that sort of dealt with personalities. And, and Phil did it in such a way. You know, he won more than six championships, but he had kind of situations at every time, at every stop that he could sort of work through. You know, he was always able to work through it and have people play together. They didn't have to love each other, but they had to go out and play together, and they won a bunch of championships. So, you know, I think he needs to get his due also in looking at this last dance to realizing how great a coach he really was. The great Ahmad Rashad with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. You know, just to piggyback on your thoughts on Phil Jackson, there always will be Bulls fans to say, you know, if Doug Collins just could have hung in there, Doug could have been able to lead that Bulls team to championships. I said, if you watch the documentary, he was sweating through suits. It was a two or three shirt day for Doug. (laughs) He he made a cup of coffee nervous. It was just, I mean, if I'm on the sidelines, I see my coach sweating through through his suit. I'm thinking, well, maybe he doesn't believe in us. But Phil was always cool and calm. What resonated with me the most, Ahmad, is a couple of things. First, that Phil was a player. And Phil was a little bit out there when he was a player. You could see how outlandish that he could have been as a personality himself as a player. And then it, it just came across as someone that had a relationship with each player. Didn't matter if you mm-hmm. were the last guy on the bench, if you were Scott Burrell or if you were Michael Jordan. It seemed like that he had a relationship, a, a open relationship with uh, with his players. I think that made a difference as well as far as how Phil dealt with the players and vice versa. I agree with you 100%. It was like a choir that everybody counted. In order to hit that chord, everybody had to hit the chord, and then you'd have people doing solos. But the other people were supporting those people doing those solos, and that's what kept the whole group together. That's what It's, it's really interesting, and, and, and I, I don't know if I've – let me just tell you what, what I feel about this whole thing. I used to – when you see this last dance and, and people were saying, well, Michael was – you know, he was tough on a lot of guys. He was this way and that way and hard on this guy and all those things that you sort of see. Those are the things that go on in every locker room. And those are the things that go on when you have people that are together for six, seven months, you know, every day. And those are things back in that day that didn't get out of the locker room. You know, it's like what happens in the house stays at house. It's like a family. You can have a family fight, but you still go out and play hard together. And, and one of the beautiful things is even when you see um, some of these things and in, in, in where Michael might be a little harsh with one of his teammates, if you ever see him run into any one of those guys, like now, like he ran into him at a place or in the street or something like that, there's so much love between these guys that it's just such a beautiful thing. You know, it's what sports is all about. 
You guys came together and you did something that no one thought you could possibly do. The road was very hard to get there. It was tough. You had your ups and downs. But as you flash forward 20 years later and all of a sudden you see each other, you can see all that come out. You can see him. There's so much love between him and the, all of his teammates and vice versa. It's just a wonderful, beautiful thing that, you know, you don't have a chance to see it. I see it. But it's just that's the way it was. They had a great time, and they had um, they had great squads. It just it was a wonderful journey. Ahmad, you uh, you gave uh, I think today's athletes some sage advice in that documentary, and that was if someone's accusing you of something and you get interviewed, don't wear sunglasses. <laughs> you know it, it was funny when it happened it was I mean, when my man came in with his sunglasses i mean you gotta take them sunglasses off he goes no no let's just do it and the whole time i'm thinking that's not gonna look right man <laughs> somehow, somehow whatever you're saying i can't see your eyes you know so it was just kind of funny even though what he was saying was true and what he meant is just that well i think you know, maybe without the glasses would have been better. <laughs> <So funny. laughs> it would have been better. But it's funny. We laugh at it now. We laughed at it then. Yeah. It's you know? funny. It's like, hey, tomorrow they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me saying I asked you too many easy questions. And then the next thing is going to be you had them damn glasses on. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Is there something, Amad, that you've seen so far that you didn't know about the, the Bulls and that experience? Nope. <laughs> you, you've been you've, no. you've seen it all because yeah, you. Might, I, thought, I don't know why yeah. you didn't have a crib here. You you, you from inside I, I stuff to, to NBC. You should have just lived here. <laughs> I did half the time at Michael's house. <laughs> I would come in on I'd come in on the night before the game, like Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon. We'd hang out in the afternoon. We'd go to dinner or have dinner at home, one or the other. I'd spend the night there, and then we'd drive to the game together. That's the way the weeks always went, and it was a lot of them. I mean, we had Chicago games were on every Sunday. Yeah, big big box office, big big ratings when Chicago is on for sure. Well, it's a great it's a great sports town. You know, Chicago it, there's it's second to none in terms of their fans. I mean, they got if you can go with them Cubs that long and have that many fans, you know, you live in a sports town. I mean, in a great sports town too. There has to be Ahmad. There's got to be a memory of you and Michael going to some bar or club in Chicago that you enjoyed the most. No, I don't remember that. Oh, Ahmad, come on. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember that. Every place was nice. You know, every place was okay. It was, you, uh, you know, Chicago's a great spot. There's a lot of great places there. Did, did you have a favorite? We didn't, we, didn't have any one, we didn't have any one favorite place. No? Okay. Nah. <laughs> but, so, but they were all great, you say? They were all great. Okay. They all great. All right. Um, I, I want to ask you um, about... Uh, your Vikings. I said on the air after the draft, I said it's the best, if not the best, it's one of the best drafts that the Vikings had. I was, uh, I'm really impressed with what they did. That team, once again, more than likely will make the playoffs in the North. Well, you know, I think for the Vikings, it's about more than making the playoffs because they've been knocking on the door for quite some time. And they've also had a group of players that have sort of gotten to the door and then just haven't gotten it done. And that opportunity in all sports, doesn't last forever mm-hmm. you can't you can't be a contender forever you know it all turns around you can you can get to the point where you're good enough to knock on that door and be a contender but you got to bust through it at some point point. and i think they're at that point now that they have to bust through it now you know they've had great defensive players they've got a bunch of good players on their team 
and now's the time to take it to the next level. Now, if that quarterback can come through and be the star that he is or, or supposed to be, then I think they got a, they got a pretty good chance of, of doing something. But like I said, you don't get to knock on the door too long. You know, there's always, in sports, it's always changing. It's always changing. So it, it, it's like, you know, to knock on the door, it's like climbing a mountain and getting in the top, top and then hitting mud and sliding all the way down to the bottom. Every year you start at the bottom and you try to make that climb. Well, you know, and the, a lot of luck comes in there. You got to be lucky that people stay healthy. But once you get that opportunity, you have to snatch it. So I think the Vikings' time now is to snatch it. They need to take that next step and be a real Super Bowl contender. Hope Bears fans are listening to this, saying what you're saying right now, because that's a, that's the. I mean, the Vikings and the Packers are the are the hammer, and the Bears are the nail as of late. So that's the problem here in the in the uh, North Division. I'm always confused about their quarterback decisions in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't I, I don't quite get what's going on there, but. <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. The best uh, best quarterback I remember for the Bears is Walter Payton, <laughs> because he can he can run it. He can he can he can play special teams. He can do everything. Yeah, you know he's another one of those athletes that people don't really they don't even know unless you saw him. But he could he could do everything, absolutely everything. I watched him at a Pro Bowl one time. He used to always tape my shoes at the Pro Bowl. But I watched him one day at practice do a handstand and walk 100 yards on his hand. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he was he was something, man. I'm telling you, he was uh he was one of the greatest football players to ever play. And he also fit perfectly in Chicago. Yeah. There's no doubt. Well, uh, Ahmad, I'll, I'll leave you with this. My next documentary I want to see is I want to see uh, Carmen Electra's documentary because she's saying everything. Have you heard her comments? If <laughs> I heard I've Don heard, Dennis, I've heard it, but a lot of that stuff she says I don't remember happening. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing how the mind works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't remember that. <laughs> amazing but how the mind she, works, Ahmad. Yeah, she's really pretty. So that can confuse you. <laughs> she's telling it. She's telling it all. I'm like, my God, I want to see her documentary. Her and Dennis, and she's like, she's, yeah. letting, it, she's letting it fly. It's like you know, some of that stuff you're not supposed to remember anymore. Well, I don't think many do people do remember it. There's some, <laughs> some of it's a little strange. It's like I, I was honestly, I'm looking at it going. I don't remember that happening. <laughs> but you know, maybe I don't know. I don't know. But she sure is pretty. <laughs> yes, 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 she is. Well-preserved. There's no question about yes, that. Yes, he's really pretty. And Dennis Rodman is one of the, my favorite athletes of all time. He he was the guy that, you know, you know, we used to say that, you know, he's worth the price of admission. He played hard every single night. I respected that so much. He was really, really, really a great player. I hope that that is understood in this documentary, that he was not just – some, you know, just a just a regular dude. He carved a niche for himself as a, a top rebounder, as a great player and a great teammate. And I, I hope that that is really accentuated in this documentary because he really was. Yeah, I think it did. I think the, the other one of those segments, one or two, when there was a lot about him, mm-hmm. I think you realize that, you know, he came to work. And that's the thing that Michael really respected about him the much, the most, no matter how much crazy stuff he did or what he did away from that basketball court, when he got to practice or he got to, to the game, he played his heart out. And that's where the respect comes from. I think he was one of the greatest players to ever play. And all he, all he wanted was a, to be acknowledged by Michael like, great job, man. Way to go. Mm-hmm. And that's all he needed. 
That's all he needed. I'm glad you spent some time, Ahmad. This has uh, been a great documentary. It's good to see you up there, too, being able to uh, tell your stories. The stuff you remember, of course. I'm glad that you're <laughs> able to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> stuff I remember. I am getting old. Oh, yeah. It's like, it like, yeah, well, yeah. Wait, how long ago was that? But it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Like I say, it's like two guys that went to high school together sitting down just regrouping on, and talking about all the stuff that happened. So many things that happened. It was a wonderful you know, it, it was a wonderful time, you know, just a wonderful time. Or you, did you ever wonder what it would be like to be around Babe Ruth and all the stuff he did? Yes. Well, that's this documentary is being around Michael Jordan, which is like Babe Ruth. And you get a chance to see all this stuff, which is fun, which is a lot of fun. Well, I, I'm definitely having a fun time with it. As a Chicagoan and a Bulls fan, this has been great for me, that's for sure. Good, good, good. Glad you're enjoying it. Ahmad, as always, I appreciate you coming on the show. Let's talk when we get college football season. I want to hear, hear more about your Oregon Ducks when we get to college yes. football season. Yes, right. Go Ducks. Let me know. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Some terrific guests when it comes to The Last Dance. Great to hear from the Knuckleheads. Great to hear from Ahmad Rashad, who was on the program talking about The Last Dance. He was primarily featured on that um, documentary. It's great. Great to hear from so many that have a different perspective on The Last Dance. And we're going to put a ball on The Last Dance. Unless there's other news that comes from this documentary, I can't wait for, um, for Lance Mondays. When we start breaking down Lance Armstrong, because that's the next 30 for 30. That's the next documentary that's going to be on ESPN. I guess this is going to be a series of documentaries every Sunday. So I can't wait to break down with you Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Brought to you by Coors Light. Maybe that's the next thing. I know Sosa and McGuire are also part of that 30 for 30 on Sundays. That would be interesting to kind of delve back into and how Sammy Sosa not welcome back with the Cubs. That would be interesting. But... My friend Stacy King really put it out there for everyone to hear on Golik and Wingo because when Stacy said that this whole breakup of the Chicago Bulls overall is everyone's fault, he makes a good point. When you're a CEO and, and you've got you know, people working under you that are doing a great job in your eyes, which they were because they were winning championships, he let him do his thing. And I think what happened was is at the end of the day, because I was there in 91, and I think – when you look at the documentary, it almost looked like it was, you know, the, the rift with Jerry Krause happened in the three-peat. It, it, let me just tell you something. That, that was going on when I got drafted. The way these guys talked to Jerry, you saw it in the, in the last dance. It was way worse in when I got there in 89. The way they talked to him, the way they, they carried themselves around him, I was completely shocked coming from, coming from Oklahoma, kid out of college, seeing – this is a guy who's supposed to be your boss. That's like you going, you guys going up there, you know, talking trash to the, you know, the Disney corporation, the head of Disney corporation, you walking in calling him names or, or stuff like that. It would just be something you would not expect. And so that was going on a long time ago, back in the early, the late eighties. So to see that kind of stuff and being part of that, you know, that's one of the things that really kind of, you saw a little bit in the last dance, how Jerry was, you know, looked at among his players. And I think, you know, he gets a really bad rap 
about the team breaking up. I think everybody has to take blame in that. There's, you know, Michael has to take blame. Phil has to take blame because egos got in the way. Egos got in the way of maybe being able to defend their title and get a seven. So I think they all have to take the blame because at the end of the day, the document, the documentary did lie. I mean, it was obvious there was a rift between the upper upper management, the players, and Phil Jackson. And I think had they been able to put their egos aside and say, hey, look, you know what? This is about winning rings. We don't have to like each other, but we've got something special here, and we don't want to break it up. Whether Jerry Reinsdorf comes in or not, that should have been the message. And, and that wasn't the message at the end. I think people's ego got too big, and it got so bad that when Jerry stepped in, it was it was so toxic, there wasn't nothing he could do. So, there you go. Stacey King, my guy, the three-time NBA champion and analyst for the Chicago Bulls, putting a bow on the last dance. I thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Knuckleheads for being with us from their podcast and being able to talk to Justin Tinsley as well as uh, Jay Reed from The Undefeated. Show produced by Sean Davis of The Other Side of the Glass. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you miss any of our show, please subscribe to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood uh, on the ESPN Chicago app. You can get all the shows and listen live right there on that fabulous ESPN Chicago app. As you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.